politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman yearning to fight for freedom. Once again, life, liberty, and property. This is your gateway to the revolution. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here at CR Podcast, Blaze Media. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, and to everyone in this business, this is the biggest day around. This is election day, the Virginia elections. Oh my gosh, this is what a revolution looks like. Vote for an establishment Republican guy for governor, and that's going to be a harbinger of, not now, we don't care about now, we never care about the present, in the future, if Republicans will take back the Congress. This is essentially what you get if you listen to Fox News, um, and I never listen to them, but I hear them from my hotel room. By the way, I'm here in Pahrump, Nevada, out in the desert, training with some of the best patriots around, listeners to the show. Great to meet you guys. Hope to meet you guys at the next show. Um, And then this is what we've relied on. Vote Republican because they're going to help us, and they're going to appoint judges. But yet it turns out that the very judges they appoint are the ones who harm us. So I want to give a little bit of you know, just a framing of where we are on the courts today. But just first on the Virginia election, look, I'd rather Yunkin. I think governor matters more than Senate, so it's something. But it's a matter of what matters. It's a matter of if he does win, it will be because of the school board fight and the transgenderism. Okay, and Republicans do the opposite. Meaning it demonstrates that even in a state like Virginia, you could win on those issues. Northern Virginia, too, how much more so if you would fight in these, gosh, 2,500 counties that are more conservative than that in America, these 70, 30, 80, 20 Trump counties in Kentucky, Tennessee, Idaho, North Dakota, whatever, Wyoming, how much more so? We have an election every day in the sense that you could pressure and influence your school board members, your county councilmen, your governor, your state legislators in the red states where Republicans already control. You don't need to win an election. And then there's the primaries, which are even more important. So I don't want to hear just about this nonsense of, oh, it matters based on who's going to win the general election next year in Congress. That matters the least. Because frankly, the Republicans will just say, Biden's president. He vetoes everything we do. We can't have a government shutdown, and they won't do anything. Okay? So that's where we stand with that, um, and that's where we are today. Now, our first sponsor, for those of us that are looking for a place to go in case America bombs out, a lot of people are increasingly retiring in Panama. Yes. Find out how you can live in luxury on literally luxury, 120000 a year, and you can live pretty solidly for 25000 a year. Uh, healthcare could be as little as 2600 zero income tax. It is the number one wealth protection haven in the world. Um, look, this past year has caused a lot of us to rethink our plans, and if we don't succeed in getting a state to uh, actually become red, this might be a place for us to all bail on or bail to. Uh, if you guys want to pick up the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama, I plan on reading that um, from my friends over at International Living. It's 100% free for my audience. Just head over to buypanamanow.com. 
com slash conservative and get your copy today that's by slash conservative sign up now to claim your free series on investing in panama's pacific riviera today by com slash conservative okay so i talked about this a little bit on monday's show but i didn't get a chance because i really wanted to get into our special guest we had you know talking about early treatment it was a terrific interview but let's start from, from the bottom. We were told that this is exactly the moment for which we needed this conservative Republican-appointed court. Okay? We now have, we now have um, what is it, six justices appointed, appointed by Republicans on the court. Okay, six of them. But we really only have three and even Gorsuch screwed us on some other issues, but on religious liberty, except for Bostock, he's been good. Do you know that we just got screwed on three more cases from Barrett and Kavanaugh? And together, it puts together this crazy, immoral juxtaposition. So we talked about yesterday the main case, okay? But there's several more. There's the New York Archdiocese case forcing Catholics to cover abortifacients in their uh, you know, insurance coverage plans for employers. Oh, I thought, I thought employers could do whatever they want. Gee, that's, that's quite interesting. I thought they could do whatever they want. I guess they can't do whatever they want. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So the case you guys are familiar with was in Maine, where the plaintiffs weren't even suing to say, look, we have bodily autonomy, as you well know, like the courts have said this forever. They're just saying, I deserve a religious exemption. Other states have offered them. Maine has completely boxed them out. And if there was one thing we thought that they all agreed to, it was religious liberty, but evidently not. They had until Friday night, so there was no, they were up against the wall, losing their job or getting a novel shot that is proven to kill people, tons of data out in Maine with excess deaths. Nope, no relief, no emergency relief, nothing. That was Kavanaugh and Barrett, okay? That was Kavanaugh and Barrett. And by the way, just so you know how dangerous this is, my buddy Andy Bostom put out something interesting on Twitter. He's always great at researching the history of public health. If you look at the polio vaccine, they always point to the polio vaccine. Okay? It, it was, first of all, I mean, that was a lethal, crippling childhood illness, but there were 1.83 million people in the trial that they conducted on kids. 1.83 million people in the trial, and that was relative to a population that was, what, like one-third of today's population, one-fourth? Today, Pfizer did, what, 2,000 on children. The 1954 polio field trial um, analysis recorded about 516 cases. Um, you know, uh, of severe polio in, you know, where they're, they're literally paralyzed in the placebo group, so there, you know, there was a need. Here, there was zero cases of severe COVID-19 illness in anyone they recruited in the placebo, despite 20% of them having comorbidities. OK? 
1954 polio field trial showed the vaccine reduced paralytic um, polio by 71.1%. The Pfizer group showed zero severe outcomes, but a 90% reduction they claim in sniffle syndrome. <laughs> this is unbelievable. How could you force that on someone? Yet they get away with it. Yet they get away with it. And by the way, a lot of people forget that Amy Barrett always kicks the can down the road, and then she contradicts herself. Remember the Fulton versus City of Philadelphia case? That's the Catholic Adoption Services gay adoption case the Supreme Court ruled in June. Basically, just so you understand the background in that case— what we were looking to do in that case is categorically say that the federal government cannot burden conscience rights. Okay, and that would require uh, overruling a bad case called Employment Division v. Smith, the Smith case of 1990. Because there they basically said, as long as it's facially neutral and it applies to everyone and there's no, you know, no way around it, there's no exceptions then they could do it. It's not subject to strict scrutiny. And that needed to be overturned, and three justices would have done it, right? Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch. But Barrett writes this strange concurrence, and Breyer signs onto it, Kavanaugh, of course, as well, where she's like, yeah, we don't need to be overturning that. We all agree in this case anyway that they were offering exemptions, right, to the gay adoption mandate, so they should have the lower court should have applied strict scrutiny to Philadelphia denying uh, contracts with Catholic uh, adoption services. That's what she said. Okay, basically, let me find her language here. She wrote that, um, where was this? And it, it, I remember it being very strange why she was doing that. But she wrote that there were exceptions given as the court's opinion today explains, the government's government contract that issue provides for individualized exemptions from its non-discrimination rule, thus triggering strict scrutiny. Well, in this case in Maine, this week, they have medical exemptions, so you have to offer religious exemption. Straight up in violation of her own thing. And, and, and again, there's no time to run. This is the ultimate irreparable harm for which you apply for emergency and injunctive relief, and she denies it done that's it that's it so that was with that oh and by the way i forgot today's sponsor speaking of private businesses we're talking about a lot of private business religious liberty one of the few companies in america that stands for that is patriot mobile patriot mobile is the only christian conservative mobile provider in america uh, they have the broadest nationwide network they use the same towers as all the major carriers so you get the same great service plus they have plans to fit any budget their 100 percent us-based customer service team has the highest rating among, among uh, all wireless carriers uh, usually there you have to go to some india shop uh, more importantly, they share your values for freedom, religious freedom, the Constitution, and sanctity of life, veterans, first responders. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR. They also have special discounts for veterans and first responders. 
Um, PatriotMobile.com slash CR. That's PatriotMobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares traditional family values. So speaking of these family values, so there was another case over the weekend that was denied cert. A lower court said that the Catholic Roman Catholic Diocese of Albany versus Lacewell, they have to provide abortifacients in their group insurance plans. So Barrett and Kavanaugh, again, join with the liberals in allowing the lower court's ruling to stand. Then in Dignity Health Inc. versus Minton, Minton M-I-N-T-O-N, uh, California was forcing a Catholic hospital to perform a hysterectomy on a woman who believes she's a man. This is insane. What happened to the religious freedom of the hospital? Nothing. I want you to think about this. At a time when hospitals are allegedly denying basic human care, blocking life-saving treatment with people that have no other option but to die, at the same time, those hospitals don't have a religious liberty exemption to not um, cut someone, you know, provide a service that castrates someone or you know, cuts off a woman's genitalia or whatever. And let not, let's not forget that earlier this year, these same justices denied certain Arlene's flower shop, right? That was the case with Barnell Stutzman where the florist had to perform her service at a gay wedding. So wait a minute. At the same time when we're told – so no one's even bringing these cases to the Supreme Court because they're not even biting at the cases when we have religious liberty at a state level with the government's forcing you to get the injection, to wear a mask or whatever, but we're all told you can't even try in the courts with a private business. They have the right to discriminate against you if you don't get a poisonous shot, okay? They have a right to demand you do something to your body. But yet, these same justices are saying a private business doesn't have the right to just assert a conscience clause. Look, I, 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 it violates my religion. Think about that. All these state legislators were hearing these so-called pseudo-conservatives. That basically you could have an entire industry with every single company get together at the behest of government because it's being done by government and box out Americans from services, from jobs. You can't live a functional life if you don't get a shot. But you have the affirmative right to access and demand someone else give you a castration, a hysterectomy. Or service your gay wedding. So you could deny service to a person for not having something about their skin. But you can't just merely deny service to an event. Right? Remember, all these gay marriage cases, they're not saying, oh, I think you're gay. I'm not going to give you service. They're going to give you the same service they give to other people. They just don't offer a gay wedding ceremony. They're not, they're not doing that. It's not something they do. This is truly, truly unbelievable what's going on. This is what is going on in our courts. I wanted you to understand that. I wanted you to realize what these people are doing. They've, they have stuck it to us in every single context. First Amendment doesn't exist. You know, Section 3 of the Pennsylvania Declaration of Rights states, no human authority can in any case whatever control or interfere with the rights of conscience. But now you can interfere all you want. So whenever they tell you, oh, a private business could do whatever they want. Really? A private business 
has to affirmatively see here hospitals are preventing you even from they're forcing you to take medication forcing you to take remdesivir or denying from you ivs even in some case or they're just denying your ability to have your own stash of ivermectin and and here we're talking about when someone is dying as opposed to this a guy walks in and is like can you cut my balls off and they're like no and it violates our religious conscience no you you have to do that or if you're a bakery, think, think about this for a minute. You have a bakery. You have a florist shop. Now, you can go to 100 other places and probably get a better discount because it's a gay wedding because most people love that type of stuff. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you'll be fine. But no, they, that one place, they have to offer that service to you. But at the same time, when you come in and you don't ask anything of them, you literally don't ask anything of them. You say you can't have a job because you didn't get the clot shot, even though it doesn't affect them because you have your shot. You have your protection. Oh, it doesn't work. I forgot. And yet, they will force you to get the clot shot. And they could work together in a way that you basically can't go anywhere else. A monopoly. And that's totally fine. The private sector could do what they want. Barrett and Kavanaugh are an utter nightmare. I mean, even I didn't think it would be this bad. And I called it. I wrote a book predicting this. The point is, they have forfeited their right to rule in our cases. If, if people in blue states have no conscience rights, they have no right to you know, not get the shot. Then in red states, when we now have plaintiffs suing us for preventing you know, businesses from having to service gay weddings, from preventing people from losing their jobs to the clot shots. And then they want a right to force you to get a clot shot, force you to wear a mask, force you to service a gay wedding. And they go to court, these same jerk-off judges will suddenly get involved. It's time for the red states to band together and say, no, we are not doing it. Don't listen to the courts. There's one thing if the courts struck down the red state stuff, but they struck down the blue state stuff. But if we have no way of saving our liberties in a blue state and then the red state, when we try to do it, they prevent us, we need to say no to the courts. This is what we have to do. It's black and white. So again, I don't want to hear this business of, oh, yeah, well, the, the courts are going to save us. Oh, the attorney general has signed on to the brief against the Biden mandate. Really? Really? Do you really think you're going to have five votes at that Supreme Court? Just do it. Just nullify everything they are doing. But I just want you guys to know this is how bad it is in the courts. Even I said I thought that religious liberty was something that they would protect, but nothing. No religious liberty. Now, our next segment here is sponsored by The Best homegrown, organic, healthiest, tastiest pork and meat and chicken and salmon in America. Adam and Lucinda, family-owned farm. They have created Moink. That's M-O-I-N-K. Um, you know, if you could see it and taste this steak from moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. 
I want you guys to go get Moinked. They deliver grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to your door, helping family farmers becoming financially independent outside of big ag. This is very important. The same monopoly they created with big medicine and big tech they have with big ag, and it's becoming a big problem. So um, uh, sign up at moinkbox.com slash conservative to get a year of bacon for free with your choice of meats that are delivered in your first box. Um, and you can change each month what the type of box you get. Everyone I have given this to sample, they're like, oh my gosh, this is the best meat I've ever tasted. Um, and, and it's very healthy. All the doctors we've had on, they say a strong meat protein diet is good without the carbs. But the problem is a lot of the meat has junk on it. It has the preservatives. And God knows what that's doing to us. I never used to care about it, but now I think they're right. So I want you guys to say oink, oink, and I am so happy I got moinked. Go get your moink box today. Join the moink movement now. Moinkbox.com slash conservative. That's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash conservative. All righty. So I just want to return a little bit to what we were talking about before. Um, And again, folks, I am in and out of the range today meeting a lot of terrific people. And when we're talking about the courts, standing idly, Barrett, Kavanaugh, Republican-appointed, Trump-appointed, lower court judges doing nothing to grant relief. I want you guys to keep this in mind. I have met so many people out here that have fully lost their jobs and will never get them back, often after, man, Decades in a field. It's very touching to meet these people. There are some people out here that have driven from Florida to Nevada because they didn't want to fly and wear a mask. (laughs) So these are very dedicated people and people that gave up their jobs rather than getting the clot shots. And again, I'm not giving that personal advice. If you're in a predicament where you're going to lose your livelihood, you don't have a way around it, I don't know what to tell you. The shots are bad. How bad? We don't know. That's part of the problem. So this is a decision you all have to make. It certainly should not be mandated, and it certainly should not really be made available either. Um, But what do you do living in the world we live in? That's kind of up to you. But the point is, I want you to understand the urgency through which we need relief. Okay. So yesterday, on Monday, basically we had – oral arguments for the Texas abortion law in front of the Supreme Court. And while you can never read too much into the way the justices act during oral arguments, everyone, left and right, universally noted that the behavior we saw yesterday from Justices Kavanaugh and Barrett were not very encouraging. This is from the Washington Post. At Monday's three-hour hearing, Justices Kavanaugh and Barrett, part of the five-justice majority, repeatedly and pointedly questioned Texas's arguments and seemed more swayed by challengers' claims that the law improperly blocks the judicial review necessary when constitutional rights are at stake. Quote, There's a loophole that's been exploited here or used here, Kavanaugh said to Texas Solicitor General Judd Stone II, 
and suggested it might be better to close it rather than allow Texas to employ it. Barrett seemed concerned that the Texas law was written to avoid federal judicial review, but that it also would be hard for challengers to get relief in a state court where Texas said the constitutionality of the law should be challenged. So she is, think about it, Barrett is concerned, she's concerned about abortionaires, you know, these abortion clinics and Planned Parenthood finding proper avenues to get relief in state court. And I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me you have no right to walk around with your body and not have government forcibly inject something into your body. And even when it's private, as we said before, it really is government that is inducing all of this. But you have the right to kill a baby or you have the right to access a doctor or a facility at a given stage to kill a baby. A positive right, but you don't have a negative right. Think about that. And and the very same week that she turned down religious liberty rights, bodily integrity rights, Barrett and Kavanaugh are concerned about what? Abortion rights. But it's worse than that. Think about it. Barrett and Kavanaugh are basically looking at us like we're from Mars. What are you talking about? There's no bodily integrity rights. We've never seen something like that in our entire life. And then the same week, they say basically Roe and Casey are such important, quote, constitutional rights, we have to make sure the Texas law doesn't foreclose the ability of the abortion industry to get proper relief in the courts, in the state system. Could you imagine that? So they recognize we have conservative judges that we fought for, we clawed for, we bled for. You you remember the whole Kavanaugh saga. Remember that. And these guys believe there is a right to an abortion, a right to bodily integrity to the point that you could even kill a life, but there is no right to protect your own body. That is what passes for a conservative judge. Don't tell me I didn't warn you. I know I have a lot of new listeners since COVID fascism, and a lot of you didn't hear me talking about for years my book, Stolen Sovereignty. If you haven't picked it up, read it from five years ago, and you'll see how it rings true today. And I warned, I warned at the time. I said, look, If we're going to accede to judicial supremacism, then nothing matters. And at the time, I looked like a laughingstock. This is after my book came out. I wrote an article November 14th, 2016. Now, the significance of that date is that is about a week after Trump won the election. Uh, Obama was still a lame duck president, and we were looking forward towards the Trump administration. And what are we going to do? What, are, what, what What's going to be our priorities? And everyone was obsessed with the courts. Oh, my gosh, we're going to win back the courts, the courts, the courts. Everything's the courts. Okay? The courts are everything. So guess what? I wrote an article, The Battle for the Courts, Part 1, Part 2, Major Problem Requires Major Reform. And... It's just you go back in in time and it's unbelievable. 
I'm just going to read to you a little bit about what I warned about five years ago and how sadly and tragically I was right and we squandered the opportunity to deal with the problem. Throughout the 2016 presidential campaign, there was a ubiquitous talking point among conservatives that the Supreme Court is deadlocked four to four. The pundit class said that this election would determine the future of our entire society, not because of who became president, but primarily because of the second degree effect of his ability to make the next Supreme Court appointments. These same talking heads seem to think that as long as Trump fills Scalia's seat, we are on our way to the promised land. And... I basically warn, you know, it's, it's a long thing, and some of it's outdated. And by the way, that was assuming we were just filling Scalia's seat and maybe one other. In the end, we replaced Anthony Kennedy. And in the end, even, we never would have imagined this, but, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and we replaced her seat too. So this was even a better opportunity than even I thought. And I warned about raising expectations and legitimizing judicial supremacy without results. That's what I warned about. While everyone widely expects Trump to have a mandate to appoint a true originalist, it will not come without a fight. Republicans will have to either abolish the filibuster or use procedural strong-arm tactics to confirm someone the left truly fears. And in the end, they did abolish the filibuster. Then what happens when Republicans get everything they want and still lose almost every major case? That's what I warned about. Republicans would have legitimized the specter of the courts as the final arbiter of our society by so frantically trying to fill the seat and then still lose on the critical cases anyway. Democrats in the media will say, look, you guys got what you wanted. There's no reason to complain about the courts. Think about that. Think about that Republicans held over Scalia's seat in the Senate till they had the presidency. And then they, the filibuster and Kavanaugh in the fight. And again, I'm not saying they were right in what they did to Kavanaugh just because he's an establishment guy. doesn't mean he, he raped someone. He didn't. But my point is, look at all the capital we expended on something that doesn't work. This is all we've been doing for the last 30, 40 years as conservatives. We fight for other people's battles. We fall on other people's swords, and we expend our political capital for things that don't help, things that don't matter. You know, I, I said at the time, I said, look. I said this every single time. I think all three seats that came up under Trump. I said, look, right now, you'll never get a better opportunity to look the Democrats in the eye and shake hands and say, all right, right now, we have the ability to totally flip the courts, at least in their mind, their perception. Okay, we're, we're going to flip not just Kennedy's seat, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat with what is perceived as a hardcore, staunch conservative. But you know what? Rather than doing that, we're going to shake hands on the following deal. We're going to come up with a consensus nominee. It could be whoever we both agree on, someone that you believe is middle of the road, on condition that we put in some reforms statutorily that end the concept. I mean, really, it doesn't exist constitutionally, in my view, but at least codify that into law that the courts are not the final arbiter of broad political issues. Okay, and both things that you don't like, things that we don't like that the courts do. 
And they would have had that. See, when the Democrats are in charge and they have the opportunity to so-called you know, win back the courts, so then it's not like you have much capital to say, oh, yeah, 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 let's, let's end judicial supremacism. But here they did, and I was right. And this is what we're stuck with now. We're stuck with this. Remember, in the Indiana case, that was the first religious liberty case, and they applied Jacobson. That was a Trump-appointed lower court judge, federal court in Indiana. So we are totally, totally screwed in the courts. So that's with that. I want to move on to a couple other issues. And again, my time is a little bit short today because, um, you know, because of everything going on here at Front Sight. Again, if you guys ever want to come out, we will have another trip in about a month. You go to constitutioncoach.com. You could find out more information there. The other big thing I'm working on is the Pfizer pledge. Okay, the pledge to that every candidate has to take. We're going to have these frontline doctors. Put it out there. They have to sign. I will not take any money from Pfizer. Pfizer is an immoral organization, period. Totally immoral. Okay, that's what we need to do here. Totally immoral. So the question is how to properly do that. How are we going to properly do that? So I'm working on a plan, and let me know if you have ideas but I want you guys in your various teams to make this a litmus test. They're going to have to sign a document basically saying Pfizer is like Joseph Menengla. You know, one guy, this guy, Utopian on Substack, Toby Rogers, he's a great Substack. Um, kudos for this. He put out an analysis on how many NNTVs. Okay, what this means is um, how many vaccines do you need to save a life? Okay, how many doses do you have to give to 5 to 11-year-olds to save a life? And what he came out with is that you would basically need 630,775 um Dose, not doses, but fully vaccinated. That that's doubled. It's 1.2 million doses. Remember, every time you give a dose, you're subjecting them to risk. So it's 1.2 million doses to save a life. If you factor in 45 kids died from five to 11 um, during that period of time, you would need 1.2 million doses. Now, on the way to saving that one life. With the 1.2 million doses, how many deaths would you cause? Well, you would. He he works out based on this is based on VARES. based on VARES. You would have 5,248 deaths. Forget about the d- debilitating diseases and all the things we don't know what it's going to do with f- uh, fertility and autoimmune diseases, and just taking over your immune system. But just deaths from VAERS, which are likely understated, woefully understated by, you know, at least 10 to 20-fold. 5,248 children would die through saving one life. It's a very easy calculation. 
And again, that assumes that it even works. It doesn't. It doesn't work anymore. And within a month, you're, you're likely going to have a new variant that totally escapes whatever you would put out even, even for efficacy of two, three months. And those are the deadly side effects. So remember, they would kill 5248 children via the Pfizer mRNA shots in order to save 45 children from dying of coronavirus. So I'm sorry, I, I got the ratio wrong. It's for every one child saved by the shot, another 117 would be killed. But again, remember, those few children who die are very identifiable. So if you want to just take them out of the pile and just look at any normal kid, it's a much greater ratio than even that. But that's the math, 1 in 117. That is why Pfizer is engaging in genocide, and we need to go after them completely. I mean, you look at some of the numbers here. You know, they came out with a study of the Mayo Clinic. They looked at all the cases of CVST, okay, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, type of blood clot, very nasty. Olmsted County, Minnesota. They published their findings in JAMA, Internal Medicine. So they studied cases of CVST for 15 years, okay? What was the incident rate in Olmsted County, 2001 to 2015? Okay, population 158,000. Over that 14-year span, they found 39 patients who had developed acute incidence of CVST adjusted for population. That is 2.34 cases per 100,000. So a little bit more than two per 100,000. Of those 39 patients, by the way, 29 of them had pre-existing risk factors within 92 days before of developing blood clots. So again, mainly people that you would expect that to happen for. Next, the researchers studied CVST cases from the J&J vaccine approved in late February to, to May 7th. Okay, just that few-month window. In Olmsted County, they found 46 CVST cases reported in VAERS. That's just what's reported in VAERS. Most of them aren't. Within 92 days of receiving the vaccine. Eight of those were dis disregarded for certain reasons, so they have 38, quote, objectively diagnosed cases. At 15 days after vaccination, the researchers found 8.65 cases per 100,000. That's a rate of 3.7 times higher than the background rate. And again, it is a lot higher than that. Now, it's funny, if you noticed something very funny is happening, that a lot of studies are coming out in America and in Europe. They're banning Moderna. Here they're dumping on J&J. &J. But Pfizer is pure as the wind-driven snow. And what, what's going on here is really cartel and cartel violence. As we all well know, the J&J &J shot is not any worse than Pfizer. It's all the same. It's cartel and cartel violence. Pfizer is you know, so much more powerful than Moderna and J&J, &J, we all know that, and that is why um, they're, they're putting out hit pieces. They're thinning the herd, making it that basically Pfizer is the only shot. That's the whole booster thing now. You know, They're just thinning the – kind of like a cartel, thinning the herd so they get the full share. And female patients in particular, the rate was 13.01 cases per 100,000. That is 5.1 times higher 
Again, and this is just in a small window post-vaccination, not long-term, and it's just one shot, and it is just theirs. And I could tell you from the ER, ER doctors I speak to, they have personally documented blood clotting cases that were not put into theirs. Okay? So that is what is going on with those shots. Truly unbelievable. Truly, truly unbelievable. And look, you know, there's data, the, um, the expose.uk, great website. Um, there is a, what is it, 62% higher incidence of death among teenagers than the five-year average. They took week 38 to week 41 of 2021 among children between the ages of 10 and 15, 62% higher than the five-year average. Now, the raw numbers are low because within a three-week period of time in the UK, how many kids that age die, but it was very disturbing. For instance, in the six weeks prior to week 38, the five-year average for deaths among all children between the ages of 10 and 14 was 28. But in that same period in 2021, it was much higher. Okay? And if you look at the COVID deaths, it doesn't account for this. We killed so many teenagers, but it just doesn't matter. Now, speaking of killing, we talked a lot recently about the genocide going on in hospitals. This is from the Epic Times. Recordings reveal lockstep COVID-19 protocols, patient isolation by hospitals. The Truth for Health Foundation you might want to get in touch with them. A lot of you are telling me that you have relatives you feel died because of malcare, remdesivir. They talk about horrific hospital violations of human rights, including denial of intravenous fluids to patients, denial of access to patients by families, attorneys, and others, and the imposition of remdesivir on patients despite risks of kidney and liver damage from that drug and the available of possibly safer alternatives such as ivermectin. Prisoners in America's jails do have more rights right now than COVID patients in America's hospitals. It's unheard of, said Dr. Elizabeth Lee Violet, uh, president and chief executive of the foundation. Um, according to the website, the mission of the physician found the Charity Foundation is to provide truthful, balanced, medically sound research-based information, cutting-edge updates on prevention and treatment of COVID medical conditions. Um, and just horrific, horrific stuff going on there horrific stuff um they she played a recording of someone who identified himself as a hospital administrator in arizona the administrator states that the choice to deprive chuck this was one of the patients food and water was the standard of care in metropolitan phoenix due to concerns about the um aspiration of the objects into the lungs yes of course we don't want him to aspirate but maybe he could get some iv hydration something at all or i don't know just an assessment Another recording, an unidentified hospital employee states, as far as visitation in our hospital, we are not going to allow you to visit him in our hospital as long as he is here. A third recording referred to meetings in which hospital executives concluded that patients who tested positive for COVID-19 wouldn't be permitted to receive visitors. Um, it is horrendous. Where are the state legislatures? How do we not have investigations? How do we not have bills on this? Again, this is what we're going to build in our con action teams. This is what we're going to build. It is truly criminal. 
criminal what is going on in these hospitals. And by the way, just speaking of what could be done, one of the things that could be done, and I have secondhand information on this from Dr. Henson. He does this all the time. This is from the UK Telegraph, which always has good stuff. Vitamin C can help to prevent severe COVID and speed up recovery. Now, though, no, this doesn't mean that, you know, if you get COVID, all you have to do is take vitamin C, you know, pill form, although you should be taking that, you know, regularly to get your C levels up and boost your immune system. We're talking about intravenous, okay, the IV uh, vitamin C, a review of 12 clinical trials due to be published in the journal Life this week found administering the vitamin intravenously may improve the level of oxygen in the blood, reduce inflammation, and cut a patient's hospital stay. One study referenced in the review carried out in Wuhan found vitamin C increased the rate of recovery for symptomatic infection by 70% compared to placebo. For more critically ill patients, trials using doses of 6 to 24 grams a day intravenously have shown positive benefits in terms of increased survival and reduced hospital stay, improve oxygen oxygenation or reduce inflammation. Um, plasma concentrations of vitamin C were very low among 70 to 80% of COVID patients. So again, the same way we see D levels low, we see C levels low. Very, very important um, thing going on here. Um, where is this? They, they, I mean, there's a whole bunch of studies here. You could look up at vitamin C and uh um, can help prevent severe COVID and speed up recovery. This is in uh, the UK Telegraph. And folks, again, you know, Dr. Henson, I, I have to find out what happened, but he had a guy that was denied care in the hospitals because he didn't get the shot. This is happening everywhere. His SATs were in the 50s. I never even heard of that before, that someone could be alive. Their blood, blood oxygen level was in the 50s. And he put him on he, he put him on a bunch of oxygen, got him to inhale budesonide, put him on the stuff, and he did vitamin C infusions. He's also doing this ozone therapy. He got him back, you know, the last I heard, and I have to follow up with him, it was between 88 and 92. So we see doctors doing life-saving treatment at all stages. But it's like one in a thousand of these doctors. This is pure genocide. And, and by the way, th this is one thing I just want to mention. A lot of people are ticked at me because I wrote a piece praising the Tennessee bill. And they're like, no, it still has loopholes in it. I get it. But look, it is by far much better than all 50 states have done. So at least, you know, it, it's something we could grab onto. But one of the reasons is not just because the vaccine mandate or mask mandate portion of the Tennessee bill, but it does have an important provision on greenlighting doctors to prescribe. So, again, that is very important. And just for that alone, it was worth passing that bill. Not a single other state ha has done that yet. Not a single other state has done that. The Alabama governor is refusing to allow the special session on you know on, on any of this the the mandates the war on treatment kiv she needs to be primaried there is um the, the son of former governor james is going to be running i'm going to try to get him on the show but this is wild folks you know governor greg Giaforti of Montana said Montana is a sanctuary for freedom 
and the free market. Now, Montana's moving in a good direction, but again, more needs to be done. More needs to be done. Um, at the end of the day, we don't we have the maltreatment in all fifty states. So if that's going to be a, a you know, if that's going to be a beacon of freedom, then you know what, Governor Giaforti, let's go. Let's get on this. Let's 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 fight for freedom. So that's pretty much the show for today. I do have to cut it short, and I apologize for being a little bit out of the news this week. Everyone's going to be talking about Virginia today. We'll have our analysis on Thursday. Yes, I know I will be out tomorrow. Um, if the strike, the national strike is successful, then maybe I will do a show because then I'll be stranded here in the hotel at Pahrump. But again, really looking forward to seeing you guys out next time. Those of you who don't come on this trip because you think that, oh, this is for the guys that are really professionals, it is not true. The majority of people who come here are actually first-timers, often never picked up a handgun before. So you'll come out of that four-day course having so much confidence. It's actually better for people that don't have experience, although if you do, you'll certainly learn a lot and get quicker and more accurate in your headshots and your um, you know, the timing of your drawing from the holster. It is a lot of fun. I am enjoying it here. This is Liberty's Sanctuary. May, heck, maybe we should make Pahrumpa Sanctuary City. Um, this is what we need. It's only going to take one county. Even if we had one county where we could live in accordance with our founding values, I take it. It's our job to do that. Go to conaction.network, sign up for our teams, send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Till Thursday, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.